This is a Hot Pie Media Original. If you have a body, you're an athlete. So high performance simply means having the highest human performance possible. Then you can deploy that into whatever you would like to do. Mm-hmm. I don't care, but it's the same thing. You have to have focus. You have to have energy. You have to have all these things. And you could then say, am I talking about an athlete or a CEO? And ideally you'd say, I don't know. Because it should be the same damn thing. Hi, I'm Eric Corum, and this is The Blueprint. I've spent my life helping Olympic gold medalists, NFL, and NCAA athletes be the best at their craft. Now I'm taking that experience and translating it into your life. This podcast is for busy professionals and household CEOs who care deeply about their family, career, and their health. There's an ocean of content to wade through, but I do the heavy lifting for you and distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your lifestyle and goals. Dr. Andy Galpin is the director of the Center for Sports Performance at Cal State Fullerton and is a performance coach for numerous Olympians and UFC stars, including Lauren Murphy, Brian Ortega, Scott Holtman, and the 2020 Cy Young Award winner, Trevor Bauer. In this episode, we discuss optimization versus adaptation, resiliency versus sensitivity, and how to prioritize your life for high performance. Hey everyone, I have one ask for you today. I've been studying the growth playbooks of the best podcasts and the number one thing you can do to grow your show is through reviews. This takes less than 60 seconds and it's critical for podcasters like myself. It would mean the world to me if you could head to the Apple Podcast app and leave a review on the show. My goal is to go from 60 to 150 reviews in the next two months. And with your help, I know we can do this. It's time for the It's Freaking Awesome Story of the Week, brought to you by The Festive Kitchen. Every week, we highlight stories of people who went above and beyond and thought about someone else before themselves. Now that is freaking awesome. This week, we're featuring Orion John, a 10-year-old boy from Fort Worth, Texas, who is sharing his love of books with children everywhere. In 2020, Orion won a student kindness contest and used his $500 cash winnings to buy toys for a Dallas Children's Hospital. Since then, Orion has devoted his time to spreading kindness. Through food drives and donations, Orion has collected 100,000 meals for families across Texas. Now, Orion is focused on getting books to children who may not have them at home. He's asking people across the country to donate their used books to him so he can send them to children who need them. Orion has 120,000 books so far, but hopes to have 500,000 by the end of the month. That is amazing. In an interview with CBS News, Orion said, it's all about my moral duty to help people. It's my responsibility to be able to see these people who need help and know that I have the resources to help them. Big thanks to Orion for his freaking awesome work. But before we get to my interview with Andy, I want to let you in on an exclusive free offer just for you. Tell me if you know this story. You go out and spend hundreds of dollars on a fancy wearable device hoping that it will help you achieve your wellness goals and then it ends up in your sock drawer. Sound familiar? Or how about this? You follow those cookie cutter clickbait health recommendations like walking 10,000 steps a day and all you get is anxious and demotivated when life gets in the way and you can't hit that magic number. It's time for an evolution of expectation and results. And that's where AIM 7 comes in. AIM 7 sets busy people free to live their values every day by building lifelong healthy habits. 
We use the health data from your Apple Watch to create small, scientific, personalized recommendations for whatever you want to do. Sleep better, increase your energy, reduce your stress, or lose weight. If you're ready to finally unlock the power of your Apple Watch data, then go to www.aim7.com. That's AIM7.com to get early and free access to our exclusive program. AIM7 starts small and starts with you. Your health data, your values to get to your thriving life. But now it's time to lean in and learn from the best. All right. Well, Dr. Andy, it's great to have you on today. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm uh, looking forward to the conversation. Kind of serendipitously, uh, I, you know, reached out through our, our common friend, Lauren, and uh, you ended up in my house, which was kind of funny. And we got a chance to connect there. But for our audience, you 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 do some amazing things in multiple areas. Can you please explain like what you're doing at, at CSU Fullerton and, and uh, what you do with professional athletes? My official day job is I'm a full professor at Cal State Fullerton. So I guess you can think of my career in three separate areas. So area one is the Cal State Fullerton stuff. So I run the Center for Sport Performance. So we've got laboratories uh, within that. And this is you know classic academia stuff. And so we study anything that, that falls under the umbrella of human performance. So this could be biomechanics or exercise physiology, um, <clears throat> muscle biology, my specialty, you know, vertical jump, like all the classic things. So, uh, you know, part one is kind of the scientist, um, if you will, and, you know, doing the things in sport performance, scientifically. Uh, part two is, you know, of course I teach as well. So I teach through the graduate level, strength conditioning, program design, sports nutrition, uh, these types of things. Um, but then part three, where I'm a little bit different is, is I work at a pretty high level with professional athletes. So, Major League Baseball and some NFL and mostly combat athletes. So you, know, you mentioned Lauren Murphy, so UFC fighters, um, boxers and wrestlers and things like that. So a little bit of academics, a little bit of teaching, and then um, you know the high level work with the professional athletes. And so that's basically what I do. What I love about that is sometimes you know going through my doctoral degree. Like there's some folks that just like publish research right? But you actually do the research in the lab and then you go out in an applied setting and really put it into practice, which is really, really cool to me. And it's very, very unique. Um, I know you work with some of the best athletes on the planet. And if people are interested, they can go look, but you've, you've worked with some Cy Young award winners, uh, UFC elite athletes. But for us normal folks that want to be healthy, want to fit, want to be fit, but I think even more so like want to thrive, right? And do that like late into life. Cause like for me and my family, we do jujitsu, right? My wife, my kids, and it's something I want to do for a long time. As somebody that is an expert in this world of human performance, I'm now 41. A lot of people are listening to this are kind of mid-career, mid-life. What should we be prioritizing for our health? Like what do you see as like the biggest bangs for your buck? Not just to like live, but to thrive. How, how much time we got here? We got about an hour. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a long question. Um, I'm going to ask you, can you qualify that a little bit? Because there's there's so many areas I can go here. I don't want to get way off track. Of okay. Let's talk about mentally. Because this is, I don't think, is talked about enough. Like thriving um, cognitively. 
what can we be doing to be on our A game? Yeah. So that, okay. I, I guess maybe I'll start by describing a little bit more about how I typically work. So, um, you know, my PhD is in human muscle physiology and biochemistry. Mm-hmm. Right? But of course I work with athletes and, um, you know, like athletes have brains. And this is a part of, this is one of the, I guess, the joys of human performance I find is the fact that we tend to do research and we teach and we think systemically uh, or systematically as the human body in systems, but we don't think systemically. And so what I mean by that funny wordplay is, you know, we think about what's the research say on optimizing muscle growth or what's the research say on, um, you know, improving serotonin for sleep or whatever. Mm-hmm. But we don't think about how the human experience is lived. And so when you go to put these things in practice, it's like, well, that may be true, but it's blended across or balanced out with their strength training or their performance supplements or any host of things. So I say that to say, um, you know, muscle biology is my expertise, but we have to deal with the human and we have to do this. So when I work with an athlete, if I can come in and I I look at the entire system, right. And I, I look at everything that's going on. Typically what I, how I break this down is there are what I call problem identifiers and solution providers, right? So a problem identifier is typically someone like me. And so I can scan the entire system, if you will. And by that, I mean the system in which you're operating in your body, your lifestyle, your practices, um, your psychology a little bit, but I'm not a world expert in any of those areas. So I was sort of joking with you before we started recording. It's like, you know, I do so many things, but I'm shitty at all of them. <laughs> and that's, I kind of, I'm, I'm sort of serious about that because uh, I'm not the world's foremost expert or eating or close to enhancing cognitive function, but I know a, a decent amount. Right. Having said that, if I come across an athlete who I'm like, man, we did the, the top three or four or five most common fixes and this is not helping, then I will outsource and we'll hire somebody. We'll go find someone in my network that is elite at that. And those are your solution providers. Mm. Right. And so I think it's important when you're working with individuals to figure out which of those are you, right? Are you the world's foremost expert in uh, improving big toe function? Well, great. Then probably you shouldn't give people cognitive advice, right? Like stay in your lane as the world best. And then when I come across an athlete, I'm like, damn it, we got a big toe problem. I know for sure I'm going to dial you up and you're going to get that. Mm-hmm. So all that preamble to say, you know, the big stuff with um, cognitive function, I can hit past that. I'm, I'm not your guy. You'll have to get somebody else. Uh, okay. To those questions. But the big stuff that is very clear, uh, I'd say put them into three broad categories. Category number one, uh, you have got to have some sort of physical practice. Um, jiu-jitsu, strength training, combinations, yoga, all these things. There has got to be physical movement. And we know more and more about the neurology uh, as well as the physiology of that, including things like the importance of creatine kinase, uh, the importance of creatine monohydrate, the importance of lactate. So all of these are things we typically associate with you know, physical muscle performance, right? Like, oh, the creatine is something you take to get stronger. Yeah, but there's a tremendously strong link between that and cognitive function. The same thing for lactate. The brain really enjoys and strongly prefers lactate as a fuel source. So if you dose it with a bunch of that, um, we see memory improves people, uh, an example of like studying. So if you study for a, um, you know, something today, 
you'll work out really hard, generate a bunch of lactate, you'll probably remember more of those things tomorrow than if you didn't. Really? Totally. That's interesting. So these are perfect hacks for like finals week with my students. Mm. They tend to stop working out and they stop doing all these things. So go do a hit protocol. Yeah, go train. Yeah. You're going to remember, you're going to have more energy and cognitive function uh, goes up quite a bit. Hmm. So physical practice being one of them. Um, number two, you have got to have some sort of um, what I'll say out of my area stuff. Well, I'll just broadly call that psychology. Mm-hmm. These tend to be things like um, social connection, purpose, um, overall mental health stuff, uh, you know, risk tolerance, all, all these things that mm-hmm. fall there. And that's a, you know, a whole level out there. Uh, and then the third one being, um, you have got to be in some sort of consistent lifestyle so that you can get a, a normal circadian biology. Um, I'm fancy way of saying kind of sleep, I guess it's not yeah. only sleep, but it is sleep, stress management, these types of things. And if you can kind of handle all three of those buckets, um, then overall cognitive function tends to, tends to be pretty good. Well, let's move into your wheelhouse. I mean, you're a muscle physiologist, right? Yep. So how should we be exercising as we age? Like there's so much I'm just going to say garbage out there or misinformation. And it's just so muddied. If somebody's like, Oh, look, I just, I want to thrive. I don't want to look, I want to move beyond like exercise to go to the bathroom. I want to, so I can thrive in my life. Go, go hike, go ride my bike, go do jujitsu, whatever. Like as we age and just in general, how would you be directing and steering folks based off of the amazing research that you're doing and what you're finding? So the quote that, Think about this uh, guy named Bill Bowerman, who's one of the, who's an actual running coach, but basically the guy that developed Nike. And he said, uh, if you have a body, you're an athlete. Mm-hmm. So my top recommendation is that you continue to train, exercise, whatever you want to call it, as if you're training to compete in a sport. The only difference being if you're having those goals that you mentioned rather than sport is maybe you take your progression a little bit slower. You don't run quite as many risks. You hedge down just a little bit. But outside of that, the infrastructure should be almost identical. Hmm. Uh, that's the big key. Things like jumping, right? People forget to, to jump. And if you do that, it doesn't take very long before you lose your ability to jump. And why that matters is you lose your ability to land and control yourself. And this is critical to wellness and critical to aging um, in a bunch for a bunch of physiological reasons so just think um i would run the exact same approach to aging and we've done this with 90 year old athletes well, these are folks that were olympic and world champions in the 1940s and 50s and they didn't stop training didn't stop competing um you know and we've tested them in the well into their 90s and they're, they're very different than the rest of the folks primarily because they just didn't stop training like an athlete hmm. again go slower progressions don't take as many risks you know don't do all the stupid stuff like trying to do the same workout when you're 45 that you do when you're 20 like all that cliche stuff is is true um, but you need to continue to do that and so step number one is identifying what you're training for so what's your primary outcome goal and the way i like to think about this is i call them defenders right so you want to achieve A. Okay, great. What is you defending or stopping you from achieving A? Great. 
So you want to build more muscle? Cool. Well, why don't you have enough muscle now? Okay. Is it a sleep issue? Is it you're not training enough or you're not training consistently enough? Is it a food issue, hormone issue, et cetera? And if you say, you know, I check all the health boxes and it's simply a training issue. Well, that's the easiest of all of them because training for hypertrophy is very easy. The work is hard, but the, like the, the design of the program is super simple. You can basically do anything you want, right? There's, there's almost no way to screw up hypertrophy training. If the goal is you know, fat loss, same deal, right? If all the other boxes are checked, training for fat loss just means work. Do whatever the hell you want. It's not complicated at all. Um, if the goals are something different, then things get kind of hairy. But for those two primary goals, muscle gain and fat loss, the actual prescription in terms of oh, what exercises and reps and set, it's super simple. You so why do so many people fail at losing fat? Well, this is a different question. Okay. Entirely. Why don't you keep finishing your thought? Because this is really good. Uh, I was just going to say, basically, the prescription of the exercise for those two things, mm-hmm. it's, it's almost what we'll call idiot-proof. Yeah. Um, the, the thing that matters by far the most on these two things is consistency and progressive overload. Mm. So uh, can you define progressive overload for people listening? Uh, just doing something to progress the either intensity, mm-hmm. the duration, the difficulty, the rest, anything like that where you can just continue to work a little bit harder, work a little bit harder, work a little bit harder, um, and to make those increments very small, by the way, very do not make like I did 50 pounds this week and I'll do 60 next week and 70. Well, it doesn't take a genius to figure out like that, that train runs out very fast. Mm-hmm. Right. So all of a sudden you're like, okay, I started at 50 pounds by next week. I'm going to 150. So you tripled your weight in a week. Not, not sustainable. Gonna, it's not going to work very well. Um, so to wrap those two things up, what, what, what the word I haven't said yet of all of that to answer your question directly for the people that are just interested in, longevity and wellness in these folks or fat loss and muscle gain by far the most predictive quality there is simply adherence. Mm. So you have got to put yourself in a situation where you will do these workouts the most consistently. If you like taking a bike ride, fine. If you like jujitsu, fine. Are there subtle differences in effectiveness? Yeah, sure. But those differences are outweighed massively by adherence. So for the vast majority of you, don't care about is, is hit training more effective than steady state because it might be, you know, four or 5% more effective, but four or 5% doesn't matter if you're doing zero. Mm. So you've got to put yourself in a situation, find activities that you like that are realistic and put yourself in like, is it realistic to do three times a week? Well, then don't write a program for six times a week. You're just going to live in failure. Hmm. Every day you're going to live remind like I was supposed to work out today. I didn't. I'm like failure, failure, failure. So be realistic about it. When you work out, get something done, right? Go in there and get after it. Train hard or don't train. Like move on. Don't don't live in this circle of fail and shit and fail and shit and fail and shit, right? And like you're just going to eventually just be like, this isn't working. I'm done. Right. So put yourself in a system. You know, you want to do free weights. Fine. You want to do CrossFit. Fine. You want to do machines, treadmills. Those, those details don't matter as much as people think relative to are you being consistent over you know six months, eight months, 12 months? And then are you gradually progressing, you know, again, a little bit heavier weights, a little bit higher heart rate, a little bit longer time, whatever the case may be, a little bit bigger range of motion. All those ways are different ways and combinations of ways 
Um, and just to answer this over here, there's no magic recipe of, well, should I increase weights or should I decrease my rest? Or should I do both? It, it honestly doesn't matter. They're, they are different. Mm-hmm. They're not super nerds for program design. Like we can talk about the fun differences. For most folks, pick one. Do, do a combination of both. Okay, should I do more sets or more reps? I don't know. What do you feel like doing? <laughs> it, it, it's not, again, it's not that these things don't matter, but for most of you folks, either of those represent progression and right. it's going to be fine. So typically higher reps, more hypertrophy, less strength. Oh. Typically lower reps, less hypertrophy, meaning muscle gain, right? And more strength gain. But, you know, of course, the whole, we have a whole scientific field of this. So it is more complicated than that, but that's the, that's the major take home. We're so grateful to the Blueprint's title sponsor, The Festive Kitchen. The zany creators at The Festive Kitchen set out to create the perfect sweet, salty, crunchy snack with just a little heat. After attempting numerous flavor combinations, they started sharing samples with family and friends who would ask, what is the name of this snack? Since there was no name, they answered, I don't know, but it's freaking awesome. Hilariously, the name stuck and a new product was born. It's a snack and it's freaking addicting called It's Freaking Awesome. You can order online now at shop.festivekitchen.com and itsfreakingawesome.com. Trust me, this snack is as cool as it sounds. Brace yourself. You'll be ordering frequently for your monthly freaking fix. The good news is they now have a freaking monthly subscription. Again, it's available at shop.festivekitchen.com and itsfreakingawesome.com. That's I-T-S-F-R-E-A-K-I-N-awesome.com. I heard I heard you talk once, I think, about optimization versus adaptation. I would love to hear you dissect that again because that is a great concept. Yeah. So uh, when we're making decisions about what we're doing for sleep or supplements or training or work or uh, food, lifestyle practices. To me, these are always bigger decisions, right? So this is really what I'll do for an athlete is the vast majority of the folks are always fixed on uh, immediate gratification, right? Another way to think about this optimization versus adaptation is immediate versus delayed gratification. So maybe we'll start there. Um, we all recognize we need to have a balance between those two things, right? So if you did what in this current moment gives you the most immediate gratification, you'd stop working, you'd turn your PlayStation on, like you'd get some donuts. This is what's going to make you feel the best right now. But hey, like the best thing right now leads to long-term consequences, right? So we all know, and this is, this is a part of child rearing is, you know, and you can speak to this more than I can, as you have, you know, one and two and three year olds, everything is immediate gratification. And eventually we have to teach them the, well, sometimes we have to have delayed gratification. So things that suck right now, maybe lead to better outcomes down the road. And this is exercise. This is working. This is waking up or, you know, with your alarm clock, this is all the things you do that you don't want to do right now, but you know that there's a bigger, better purpose down mm-hmm. the road. So if you always choose immediate gratification, we have long-term consequences. But the flip side is, if you always choose delayed gratification, you're never present. And this leads to all kinds of anxiety. This leads to um, unhappiness, unfulfillment, because no matter what happens, there's no immediate joy. You're always worried about what's later, right? So you work on something for eight months and you're so happy and you launch it. And then you're already immediately thinking about what's going down the road. Well, if you do that, you'll never actually ever enjoy any of your projects because you'll always be 
six months down the line, six years down the line, six years. So if you've never, ever, ever had a donut in your entire life because you wanted to optimize cancer prevention, you'd probably live a pretty unfilled and unhappy life. Mm. And so we don't want to have more immediate or delayed gratification. We want to understand a balance and then be judicious, judicious and when we choose immediate gratification versus delayed. So we need to choose both. Well, with athlete development, um, it's the same thing. Are we optimizing for the current moment or are we looking for long-term adaptations? And the vast majority of folks, again, that are amateurs in this area, they tend to see a study or they hear a thing that's like, I took this and I felt great. Okay, you felt great today. But what did that do to the adaptations that we're looking for six weeks, six months, six years down the road? I'm focused on, I'm, I'm paying attention to both. So in the case like Lauren, we had to do things year one that were not going to optimize her for year one. But we knew like we have, we, we have some serious progression we need to make here. And I want to make you the best fighter in the planet four years from now. And that's the investment she made. And then, hey, look what happens. Five straight fights fighting for world title. And I've done this with countless athletes. So sometimes you have, you know, along the way, it's like, okay, um, you know, we're in year one. We're really developing things for year two, three, and four. But then we got to fight. Okay. Now in fight camp, we switch back to a little bit more immediate gratification, mm-hmm. more immediate optimization, because you have to win this fight. It doesn't matter what right. our fight is. If you don't win, and you don't get that opportunity. Yes. Yeah. And so it's understanding in the case of fighters when to switch from an immediate optimi- or, uh, um, optimization current moment to long-term uh, development or, or adaptation. So, um, and we even have this in the macro. So if we're 12 weeks away from a fight, we're probably in the first four weeks going to be choosing delayed gratification mode or adaptation, right? So we're doing things that cause adaptations 12 weeks from now, but you're not going to feel the best every day. I'm not going to maximize your recovery. I'm not going to maximize, you know, um, uh, your supplements so that you aren't as sore. I'm not going to block inflammation because these are the drivers of long-term adaptation. Mm-hmm. So it's going to suck the first month, but then as we get closer to mid camp and certainly the last month of camp, we're going to flip and we're going to now start maximizing recovery. We're going to hedge towards adaptation. So if we're looking at some metric of recovery, like heart rate variability or whatever else. And I see your HRV is terrible, but we're 12 weeks out from a fight. I'm not going to give you the day off. I'm not going to back off. We're, we're doing the same workout we had planned. I know you're in the tank, but that's the point. We're trying to cause adaptation. It's not, it's not an easy road to adaptation. However, if that same HRV showed up three weeks from a fight, then we're probably going, oh, okay, we're supposed to be peaking a little bit right now. So we're going to dial this back just a little bit. So we don't have uniform answers for how we approach, um, you know, again, pick your thing, recovery, supplement, sleep, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to be thinking more carefully about what do we try? It's exactly like I started with, like, what's the goal here? What's the goal of this fight? What's the goal of this month? What's the goal of this week or this individual session? Those are always in my mind. And I script all that out for our athletes. Um, in addition to what's the goal of this year, what's the goal of this phone? And all this is scripted out in front of me. And so I'm, I can choose, this is a time for adaptation. This is a time for optimization. And um, we're going to hit our goals with like the Olympians. You know, we have to keep the four-year cycle in mind. So we can't even optimize them every year. We have to make sure we do what's best so that four years from now, or in our case, three years from now, 
at their peaking. So this is such a great concept because I don't think most people ever think about the short and the long term. Yeah, it's it's very important. Like I have these long term health goals. Like for me, I want to be in my sixties bike hiking and like that's where I want to be in the the mountains a lot, right? And I want to be doing a lot of these things. So like what is what is it what is it going to take now so that I can get there? Well, I obviously can't have too much orthopedic trauma or I won't be able to carry a backpack. Um I also want to be sharp mentally and I want to be at my best like peaking then. So like what am I putting into my body now? How am I taking care of my sleep? And, uh, but then there's like short-term things like short-term work projects where, you know, I'm having to put in a lot of work or I can think of my friends, you know, you, you're starting a business and maybe you are a little sleep deprived. That's going to be okay to an extent. Cause you have, there's, there is like, you have to get that done. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to interrupt you here. Yeah. It's my show, not yours. Okay. <laughs> I told you I'm long-winded. Yeah. So you're not going to get that many questions in. Uh, another way to think about this is resiliency versus sensitivity. Okay. If we use the case of like insulin, everyone is fairly familiar with insulin resistance versus insulin sensitivity. And you don't want to be either. Right. And so everything in your life is either driving resiliency or it's driving sensitivity. Here's an example. What if you're like, okay, geez, um, I want to maximize my health, et cetera. So I'm going to cut out all sugar. Okay, great. So you cut out all sugar and you don't ever consume anything with sugar in it. You're driving sensitivity because you take it away from the system. And now if it ever gets reintroduced, even in a slight bit, you're going to be so unbelievably sensitive to it. It's going to cause you to feel horrific, right? And then you're like, oh, see, my body doesn't process sugar. Well, it doesn't because it hasn't seen it in six months. Mm-hmm. It's not your inherent physiology. It's the fact that it is hypersensitive to something it hasn't seen in a very, very long time. The other end of that spectrum is resilience. So somebody who eats you know, 200 grams of added sugar a day, not carbohydrate, like added sugar a day, is super resilient to sugar. When they have sugar, they don't even feel anything because it's been there. The senses are dulled, right? We have to understand when we're making lifestyle choices, are we driving sensitivity? Or are we driving resiliency? And some we want to things we want to hedge towards more sensitivity in the case of sugar, right? Like, mm-hmm. I hope you feel what it feels like if you ingest 60 grams of sucrose, right? Like you should feel that difference. If you don't, like you're probably not sensitive enough to sugar. Some things we want to derive more towards resiliency. And then some we actually want in the middle. And alcohol is a good example. So if you never touch alcohol, and then you, you know, you have two glasses of wine, you're probably going to get hungover as shit, <laughs> right? Because you're super sensitive to it. Right. There's no, re- you have no resiliency to tolerate alcohol. Some of you might think, great. Awesome. Okay, fine. But some of you might think, you know, like, actually, I, I kind of want to have like, at least like a drink a week or every other week, be able to have a glass of wine and not feel hungover. Well, then maybe you need to drive a little bit less sensitivity, a little more resiliency towards alcohol. And hey, two glasses of wine a month, there's no physiological damage at all there. There's no health consequences. Right. But if you're like, oh, I, it's great with my wine or because of my religion or my culture or my fa- whatever, the thing like that, I just like it. Great. Well, then you may want to introduce this is funny, but like introduce alcohol a little bit more frequently just so you keep some semblance of resiliency there. Right. So we have to think through everything we're doing. Um, and understand, are we driving resiliency or sensitivity? And a really good example of this that sounds counterintuitive is 
things like morning routines, right? And these are these are the hot jazz, right? Like, well, do a morning routine, do a morning routine. Okay, well, that's great. First of all, every time I hear someone say this, I'm like, you don't have children. <laughs> Good luck. Um, it's like, oh yeah, you're 40 and a biohacker and you're worth millions. Right. You can spend an hour and a half on your morning routine every day. Cool. Good luck. Thank you for um, saying that, by the way. <laughs> it's annoying, right? Like you're like, oh, yeah, you know what my morning routine is. And you're wearing is? your blue blocking glasses at 9 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My morning routine is, you know, go to the bathroom, chug water, and then get rolling in my day. Yeah. I think people should have a morning routine though, in terms of this. I think it's awesome if you can sit and figure out, hey, if, if I wake up in the morning and I drink water and then I do a 10-minute yoga flow and I do a, med- uh, a like gratitude journal and then I do like a five-minute breathing thing and then if I go down and I have uh, like a, a special herbal tea um, and then I put in this whole 20, 40, 80-minute routine <clears throat> and be like, hey, like I'm super productive these days. I think you should know that. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, what I don't want you to do is be in a position where if you don't have your 90 minute, 28 step routine, everything in the day gets thrown off hmm. because you've driven way too much sensitivity. You're not resilient. You're what we call like, you're too precious, right? <laughs> like if you can't operate without coffee, you, you, you're, you're way too precious. You're not resilient. You're way too you know, sensitive to it. Hmm. You need to be more resilient. And so I want you to know, Hey, like if I can do these things, I will guarantee optimization. However, if I optimize every single day, like meditating and breathing and journaling and coffee and blah, 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 every single day is optimizing the individual day. Well, then I'm sacrificing long-term adaptation because now I get in a position where I can't operate without all these things. And so mm-hmm. I become way too optimized, way too sensitive, and not <clears throat> nearly resilient enough. And this is where people run into problems is because like that, yeah, you get super sensitive. But when you get thrown off the routine, you're a train wreck. And life is going to throw you off your routine. Mm-hmm. I mean, the virus, pandemic, like you're going to get thrown off your routine. Mm-hmm. Kids, you're going to get sick. Like something's going to happen. Business partner's going to cheat you out of something. And if you're always super, super, super sensitive, you can't handle any resiliency. Um, being too resilient is a problem either, right? Because then you're dull and, and you don't even know what good feels like because you're not sensitive. You don't, you don't know how terrible you feel every day. Because you just get up and make shit up every day and it's different. So you're too resilient. You don't even know. And if I guarantee you, I can say like, hey, we have a super important meeting a week from now or business thing. I need you to spend the next five days like optimizing your stuff to feel as great as possible. If you're so resilient, you're going to know what to do. Like I, 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 don't know, I guess I feel good at kind of every day. Like, no, you don't even know what great feels like. And so this is what like we need to think about these things in terms of you know, again, what are my choices? Am I taking supplements that make me feel amazing every day? Sure. But because of that, I'm allowed to get away with bad lifestyle choices. Vitamin D. Oh, yeah, yeah. Vitamin D. Great. Is it? Is it? Or using it as an excuse to be like, I got my vitamin D. Therefore, I won't do a better practice with like go outside today. Mm-hmm. Right. That's another example of <clears throat> you think you're doing something to improve your health and performance and function. But really... Too much towards immediate gratification, which is say the better health practices. I need to spend 15 minutes outside a day. That will resolve my vitamin D and so many other issues. That's probably the better choice. But hey, going back to wrap up my example, you're like, hey, I'm building a business right now. And right now, this is my top priority. 
I've got to go, cool, maybe vitamin D is great. I'm not going to get outside the next eight weeks because I'm locked in to build this thing. That's good. I think you should do that. I think it's really important that people go through short periods of just insane focus. I think it's incredibly important. You just have to match that on the backside Mm -hmm. saying, I gave myself eight weeks or eight months or whatever it's going to be. I hit that number. I hit the goal. And now I'm not going to let greed and excitation like take over. I'm going to go, no, I have to pay this back a little bit. So now I'm going to step back. I'm going to cut the work hours down an hour. I'm going to add back my workout. I'm going to add back the breathing routine. I'm going to add back like seeing my kids for an extra half, whatever it's going to be, right? Because you can't just run, 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 run. Like that's that's too much immediate gratification. It's not enough delayed gratification. So um when I hear people say things like, hey, if you're an entrepreneur and you get an opportunity, now the answer should either you know, if it's not hell yes, then it's hell no. That's terrible advice, right? Because at some point in your career early, the answer needs to be hell yes to everything. Now, once you get to a position higher, higher, then you can start choosing and choosing yes. And then eventually when you get to a high enough position, that's perfect advice, right? So if it's not an amazing opportunity, then it's gone. It's just another example of saying sort of the same thing, right? You you have got to think through where you're at, where you're going. And and we have to keep all this stuff in mind as we're making all of our decisions. And we actually have a system for non-athletes, by the way, like the executive folks of understanding kind of all this bounds. Um, and I'm happy to go into that. Yeah, please double click. Let's go. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. A new survey by the American Psychological Association has found that nearly half of parents say they are more stressed now than before the pandemic, and over 60% of adult Americans have experienced undesired weight changes, all because of stress. Is there something interfering with your happiness or impacting your mental health? Now is the time to take action. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may be not available where you are. This service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. So you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they can make it easy and free to change therapists if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash blueprint. That's BetterHelp and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they've been recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. BetterHelp is giving a special offer to the Blueprint Podcast listeners. You can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash blueprint. Okay. So this is uh, my friend, Kenny Kane, who uh, is a longtime gym owner. He's also, I'd say, He's different. He's interested in actually making changes and improving lives. And he quickly realized that, hey, showing up three times a week for a CrossFit workout, like some people are getting better at the CrossFit workout, sure, but we're not changing lives. What these people need are systems that encompass everything, right? And so what he does is he uses what he calls the quadrant model. And he says, okay, 
basically you can imagine and you can make these own quadrants up by the way but this is the one that we use so quadrant one is your physical health quadrant two is your recovery quadrant three is your work or business quadrant four is your family and you have to sit there and say okay uh eric we're, we're going to focus for three months okay great you're going to three month period this is all we're looking down the road is three months and you have 10 total points you can spend how do you want to spend these points up across the four quadrants and here's what everybody does uh i go two I don't know. I'll, I'll go, I, I really want to get better. I want to lose some weight. I got to figure out this thing. I got to get this hip fixed up or whatever, like the shoulder. I'm, I'm going to take care of this. Uh, go through. No, I'll go four, four into or four into health, four into physical health. Yeah. Okay. And then I know important recovery is important. So the three into recovery. Um, but you know, like my business, like the pandemic, like I gotta. Okay, so four into my business, and then um, yeah, my family. No, I love my family. So let me go three into business, and my three, three in my family for sure. Like, okay, that's 14. Yeah. <laughs> so you, have, you, you have 10. Try again. They're like, shit. And what ends up happening is they have to consciously put one, oftentimes one, or maybe two into one of those categories. So you, you got to stare me in the face and tell me that you're only going to give 20% of your effort and soul into either your family, your business, or your health. And it's really, really hard. But that's what you're going to have to do because the numbers don't add up, right? You can't go three, 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 three. That's 12. Hmm. You can't go for, like, geez. But this is something that's going to make them critically clear what we're trying to do, right? So you want to go three into your physical health. Great. You want to go two into recovery. Okay, that's five. Oh, boy. You're going to put the same three in your business that you're putting in your physical health? Yeah, three and two in your family. So your health and your business are more important than your family. Well, sometimes they have to be. Sometimes you go, look, I, yep, the next three months. That's like, really hard to wrap your mind around. It's so difficult, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't do this, though, you know what's going to happen, right? You're going to burn out because you're going to be burn. trying to go into all four. And, you know, we. I just had a conversation with a guy who's... Uh, former special operator. And he said, every day you rack and stack your priorities. And he said, uh, he, he's now the president of TRX elite. And he said that, uh, before he went into that, he was like, I had like three or five months where I'm like, you know what? I'm going to invest all this time in myself to prepare myself for that. Because when I get there, I can't do that anymore. And I was like, that's a lot of wisdom. It's really crazy to hear you saying, you know, two great minds thinking alike in different ways. But um, yeah, so how do you, you, if you run this train a little bit farther, so yeah. just, just to finish it, um, you take those. So you fill out your quadrant, right? We put it on a note card. Yeah. And that note card goes in the gym and it goes in your office. And so you stare at it. And when you're coming into the gym and let's say, for example, you said, Look, like my business, like I got to get it going. Um, okay, like, yeah, it's it's four in business right now. And uh, my family, I don't want to give up too much of them so that they're going to get a two. I think we have three. So four in business, three in family, that's seven. And I'll go two into training and one to recovery. Cool. Totally get it, right? Hey, look, for the record, if you say like right now it's nine, 
in business and one in family or it's zero in family. And there's times like this happens to fighters. They basically have to give a zero in fight camp to family. Totally, right? But it's eight weeks, 10 weeks and they go, look, I'm fighting for one time. Like family is zero right now. I'm yeah. sorry. Like I love the kids, but and these are totally acceptable numbers, by the way. It, it's not, nothing is good or bad here, but it, it's being honest with what you're actually trying to do in the next three months, right? So let's say the example I gave, four into my business, two and three into my family. So four and three and uh, two into training, one into recovery. These are pretty common numbers, by the way. It's like probably the most frequent spread. Cool. So for the next three months, you're doing 20% effort into, into training. So let's be realistic about what's going to happen in the next three months in terms of adaptation. It's fine, but you're not going to lose 18 pounds of fat and gain 20 pounds of muscle if it, with a two out of 10. So right now we're going to do the best. You know what? Maybe we're going to take this time and let's pick up that nagging shoulder injury. Let's, let's get, let's work on positions. Let's work on your technique a lot, right? So we get better at squatting. We get better at running. Let's get these positions better so that when mm. the next quad comes, and we're ready to shift some burden up to training more. We've built the foundation so you can just get going. And we don't have to step back and go like, okay, you're broke, you're bent, you're hurt. You suck at moving. We can't do anything without it hurting. Hmm. Boom. So, so that's how this quadrant actually becomes helpful. And if you run this thing four times, so you just do like with business folks, like the quarter. Once a quarter, yeah. That's why we do the three-month thing, right? Next quarter. And so you sit down at the beginning of the year. So Q1 is going to be... Here's our numbers, Q2, Q3, Q4. And we know, okay, like Q2, I'm getting after it training-wise. Q3, I'm going to back up and I'm going to actually, it's the summer. And so my kids are out of school. So family's going to go higher Q3. Cool. And, you, and then when you show up to the gym every day or we show up to our business meetings or whatever you're doing, it's like, you're going to hold each other accountable. Like, dude, you said it was three for business this quad. You've you've missed this with your kid. You didn't do this. You're not showing up to training because you had a business meeting, blah, 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 blah. Like you're not holding tight. Mm. You want to change the priorities? Fine. We'll change the numbers. But right now you're, you're full of shit because you said it's going to be two in business. Right now you're giving seven in business. So you, you have to make a decision here. What are we going to do? If it's going to be there, cool. It is. And, and it's just, it's really helpful to people for setting honest expectations. And then, then you're not disappointed and unrealistic um, with what's going to happen because you can't get 10 out of 10 for all these things. You can't be the best dad ever build a billion dollar business from scratch, you know, lose 55, like none of these things and also be able to recover from that training appropriately. Right. And getting massage and body work and Cairo stuff or whatever else you're going to get. So let, let's set expectations. And then um, it's just very easy. You just have to make sure somebody's there holding you accountable for those numbers. I love this, man. This is like fantastic. I'm going to put this to practice in my personal life for sure. Um, and then I think the the next part of this is like, you got to communicate this to, I was just thinking like, if I make this card, my wife's got to know, and maybe she and I should do this together. You have to, you have to, and it needs to go on your refrigerator. Mm. Right. So that's what I mean when I said, like you put it at the gym, but you could also transmit that to um, like in front of your, your spouse. Like if you have a family, this has got to be a family decision, right? Because then you sit there and every time, you know, uh, your husband's nagging at you, be like, hey, like you need to spend more time with me, but you can be like, look at the card. Like we decided on this as a family, right? Like I know like, but this is, this is right. It is like, we're trying to, like, I got to get this promotion or whatever the thing is, right? Like we said, we were going to work out more. We're not doing it. We're watching more Netflix. Like we're not being honest with the car, whatever the thing is. So yeah, a family decision. And of course, depending on if you have children or 
or family members or whatever, um, it is very easy for you to communicate. Like you're not being a jerk. It's just like, this is my card right now. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not going to come to this barbecue. I know it's your, you know, six month birthday. Like, <laughs> like yeah, I, I got to make tough choices right now. I'll be back. But this is, it is because I'm, I'm out of shape. I feel like I'm dying. Like I, I have to make better decisions for my health right now or I'm not going to be here. So, and the thing I'm thinking in my back of my mind is like, okay, so let's say you put a four on, let's say you put a five on a four on business or whatever, and you're prioritizing your work, your family, physical health and recovery down on the line. That doesn't mean that you are eating like garbage. That doesn't mean that you're not hydrating. It doesn't mean that you're not going to sleep. Maybe like I'm thinking myself like, okay, if I switch these around, I would take more walks so I could do calls while I'm walking. I could uh, get a TRX and put it in my house, right? And like, I'm not going to go to the gym. I'm going to hit 45 minute workouts, um, and I'm going to microdose some stretching and different things throughout the day, right? For soft tissue, or whatever. But when this time comes, now I'm going to reinvest more more effort in the and and then you you know what it does? It removes guilt. Yes, a hundred percent. I'm thinking 100%. through this. I'm processing this as we're talking. Yes. Yes. It's, it's guilt from not being around your family. It's guilt from not doing that extra email. Yeah. It's like whatever the thing is, it's, it's not guilt. You're like, this is the plan. Have you, of course, are you going to like, write this up on a book with your buddy? Probably not. Oh dude, this, you know, if you, if you wrote this ride, the quadrant mod, I mean, it would be like the new book and you'd be doing podcasts like this all the time. But, um, yeah, we did, um, he, he described all this stuff in, uh, one of our podcasts, uh-huh. some of the episodes of ours, uh, in the last season. Um, but I don't know. He, he's not really. He doesn't have social media. He doesn't do it like he's like he just wants to work with people. And well, I I'm very for. I'm really thankful that you are talking about this because this is going to help a lot of people. Um, what a great idea! I'm going to put it into practice, and I'll I'll let you know how this goes with me and and my wife because we're in a um you know I'm building a business, and I've just started to realize lately like I can't do it all. I just can't and. Um, there's some things I'm going to need to change so that, you know, so that I can put the eggs in the basket that I want to put yeah. them in. And the not, last so, thing I need to mention here though, yeah. sir, is, uh, before you go, cause <laughs> before you go put this into practice, there's one major way to please thing coach me. You, you cannot have higher than a three to one training to recovery ratio. Okay. It's not allowed. So you can't put five eggs in training and you know, two in family, two in biz, one in recovery. We're going to take a break for just a moment to talk about how you can get exclusive content designed for high performers just like you. If you're looking for information and resources to improve your health, well-being, and performance, then sign up for my free newsletter, Adaptation. Just go to www.ericcorum.com and sign up now. This newsletter is my effort to bring zero-cost, high-performance resources and tools to anyone with the desire to improve. Now back to the show. So, how would you rec- how would you describe recovery? Recovery is all those things, right? It could be taking a day off on Sunday and watching football. Okay. It could be, you know, going to play with your kids. It could be getting a massage. It could be sleeping in. Mm-hmm. It could be going to bed earlier. It could be any of those things. Um, we know recovery is so multifaceted. It, it could be investing money. And to making sure you see uh, a body work specialist once a week, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know it's. I don't have 125 bucks a pop 
what would you do? Because now, like this is the time we're going to do it, right? If you want to train that hard, you have, you, you ideally it's no more than a two to one ratio. <laughs> but if you're going to go five into training and you're going to go one into recovery, burnout break physically. Yeah, not going to happen, right? So you've got to have um, sort of things. So um, we do this one with, with sleep. By the way, is like a big one. Is okay. I know what sleep's going to happen probably, but if you get seven hours of sleep for this quad, we're going to commit to eight and a half for the next quad period on average night. Like we're going to commit to eight and a half average night because we're not just going to run this game of like, no matter what we do, we're going to get six and a half hours of sleep for infinity. And we're just changing how, whether we're using you know, family or whatever to run out of sleep, that's not going to happen. So if it's a recovery it goes up, that means we are stopping an hour earlier than we did last quad work-wise, no matter what the thing is, right? You know, average night for the, for the quarter. And we're going to add an hour of sleep. Well, what do you think happens to recovery when you add an hour of sleep? Goes up, right? Maybe we're going to spend the time to make that appointment to go get a sleep study done to figure out why we can't sleep. Maybe we're going to spend the time, mm. we'll take the day off and, and we'll go get, um, we'll go see that physical therapist to figure out why that knee is it's, it's all those things where people tend to go like, oh, I just don't have the time for that right now. I got to get something figured out. Maybe it's investing money and like, let's get some advanced blood and urine and hair samples and fecal tests. And then we're going to go through it and it's going to take time out of my day. And I got to answer these questionnaires. I got to make these appointments. But this is, the, this is part of the, the number three. Like you've invested three points in recovery. This stuff counts. If we don't have a primary focus on that, that those are all the things that go, God, yeah, I got to get to that. I got to get that figured out. But I just... Got to get back to this email. Oh, I've got to take her to soccer. I got to get the, I don't want to miss my, well, here's your time. We've upscaled time mm. to, to, to go invest in, and look around to find a better mattress, find the one that you like. And it's going to take time. You know, it's all the things. So it's mostly a time uh, issue when it comes to recovery or uh, resources because recovery tools tend to be expensive. Yes. Right. Training, it tends to be cheap, but recovery tends to be expensive. This is not what I thought we were going to talk about today, but this is some gold <laughs> right here. So what does high performance mean to you, Andy? Going back to the beginning, we study systems, but we work with people. So high performance simply, in my opinion, means to execute at the highest level. And you cannot do that without all systems go. So performing however you would like, but you cannot perform your best in your business if your muscular health is not optimized. You cannot perform well if your blood isn't perfect, if your gut microbiome isn't amazing. If you're an athlete, the same thing. If you can't focus throughout the day, if you can't have behaviors. So if you have a body, you're an athlete. So high performance simply means having the highest human performance possible. Then you can deploy that into whatever you would like to do. Mm -hmm. I don't care, but it's the same thing. You have to have focus. You have to have energy. You have to have all these things. And you could then say, am I talking about an athlete or a CEO? And ideally you'd say, I don't know. Because it should be the same damn thing. That's good. So what habits or practices have you put in place so that you consistently perform at your best? I would say you have to separate my life into a couple of phases because the, the, my answer to that pre-children and my answer to that now with the two little ones. So your card looks different. The, the card looks different, but the actual tools are different. Okay. For the first 30 years plus of my life, 
making scheduled time for exercise was never an issue, right? Like that was, there was many hours of exercise a day, mm-hmm. most days infinite, right? And I wouldn't hesitate to train twice a day if I'm like, like I got done early, like I want to work out again. Like it's just a, such a part of my life. Now that has to change. Now it has to be in the, in the, in the Google calendar, right? It has got to be locked in specific time because if not, that time gets filled and gets eaten away. And my life isn't less busy now or isn't busier now than it was, um, especially when I started my career. Um, you know, my schedule is filled every 15 minutes sort of thing, right? So, but I just, like exercise was an inherent part of that. Now it has to be because it's things, it's just logistics of like, okay, who's going to watch the kit? Shit, we have to have coverage. We have to get like, so it, So I don't have as much freedom to be like, actually fun enough, like see this shirt? Mm-hmm. This thing stands for D, three and t which means drop everything and train this is like a motto back in the day which is just like hey at some point in the three is there for a reason because it was like like you just work 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 you're building a career and the d3 was like hey no matter what's happening at three o'clock we drop everything at three o'clock and train right cool so no matter what thing i'm doing stop at three o'clock we guarantee we're going to work out now now that doesn't work like that right yeah so um, the tools, number one, is like having a more specific carved out training time um, of the day, which is incredibly important. Um, sleep gets taken away from you. It comes out of your control. I've always been a fantastic sleeper. Our sleep hygiene and habits are great. That gets taken away because a kid wakes up in the middle of the night because a kid you know, does all these things. That these things do. Um, so we have got to give ourselves more opportunity, which means we go to bed earlier now. Like we, we, we don't do as much things like we, we don't never slept in, but, um, that's another example of something that just, just has to be there. Uh, I take my analytics much more seriously now in terms of when we will get our blood, stool, hair, urine, all that measured more frequently now, because typically I could just kind of lifestyle engineer away any problems. Well, now I need, I don't, I don't have the time, so I have to be more precise. Mm-hmm. I don't have the time to waste. So, um, we have to be more precise with what we're doing if we're going to make supplements changes or dietary changes, whatever. Um, so that means more money, more expense, but more precision. Um, and so now at the point in my lifestyle, trading time for money is something I'll do 10 times out of 10, right? Um, so that's another thing that, uh, that we do differently. Uh, and then, of course, like saying, low, saying no to a lot more things mm-hmm. you know, professionally has created a lot more space. Yeah, those are some of the ones that jump out. What are you doing right now for your personal growth? Is there an area that you're digging into? I know you read a lot because of your job. Is there anything yeah. personally that you're just like really interested in or reading so about? So my answer to that is no. Okay. And here's why. I can't get through the day. I'll put it there. I have a hard time distinguishing between that and what I do every day anyways. Mm-hmm. That sounds like very like, Oh my God, that was so lame. Um, but the reality of it is, you know, I'm working with an, an athlete or many of athletes and they have very high lofty goals. And so my day is consumed with, you know, my work side or the athlete side and I'm solving those problems for them. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, I'm researching it, researching it too. Right. So if it's, um, if they're trying to figure out how to relax better, you know, I'll use the things that I'm, that I've been, I'm like, okay, that didn't work for you. Let me call some people. Let me listen to some podcasts. Let me buy this book. Let me, let me buy this webinar about relaxation better. 
I'm doing it because an athlete told me, and a lot of times they even pay for it. But then I'm like, all I'm doing is learning how to relax better. I got you. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh-huh. So I don't feel like I have to go do these things outside because, uh, like, how do I deal with PTSD? Oh, geez, I don't know. Like, let me go read some studies on that. I'll, I'll, you know, I can, I'll, I'll buy a thing or somebody's ebook. Like, so I feel like I'm learning in all these areas as I'm working through them with athletes. And I've been doing this for so long. It's, um, depending on the athlete, the challenges change. Yeah. Their lives change. And so what the stuff I get into changes, um, personally. And then, um, lastly, I'm just a generally very curious person in areas that I don't know a lot of stuff about. So any free time or personal time I have, like I'm going to play video games, watch the Seahawks, or probably I'm going to listen to a podcast or an ebook on something totally out of my area. Mm-hmm. I just, I get way more excited about that. So it's not like a, I feel kind of like a douche saying that, but like, that's just what I just get way more excited about, you know, listening to a podcast on something way outside of my realm. Um, so there's a lot of growth there. No, so, that- no, not specifically, but it just kind of comes with the territory. I guess. I found that with a lot of curious people that like, um, I had an opportunity to, to hear Bill Clinton speak in a small setting and he was like really into physics and he just started like going off on physics and like some really interesting stuff. And you're like, huh, never would have thought that you were into that. Or like, anyways, that's just that. I think that's, that's a kind of a commonality between people I find that are really good thinkers is they're challenging themselves in different ways. Like I'm going to go learn about zoology and I want to learn about spiders and then somehow you're going to learn something there that's going to come back and you're like, dang, that like really helps me over here. Some re- and, and it's a good like exercise of just stretching your thinking. Um, yeah. How can people find you, support you? Like wh- where can they find you? Yeah. The, I mean, social media is the best. I'm reasonably active on Twitter and Instagram. Okay. So those are the places. Uh, if you're the type of person that wants to see like the, the direct research article or something, Twitter is easier, right? Cause I can link to the study I'm talking about or something. Yeah. Um, you know, you can go to, to my website. I'm, I'm not super active there, but I kind of try to post everything straight through to the website. So that's an easier way to follow along. Um, and then YouTube. So my entire YouTube channel, all my social media, but my YouTube channel specifically is, it's just all free education. So the goal of mine is to basically make, my entire university curriculum free on YouTube. Oh, wow. And I've been doing this for years. So when the pandemic hit, we went virtual. I was like, cool. Cause I already got 80% of it up there anyways. Like, I don't really, it didn't bother me that much. But that part of it, it sucks not being with the kids, but um, yeah. So like all my stuff, you know, you want to learn about optimizing hypertrophy and the latest research or micronutrients, um, you know, the fat loss, like we, we sort of talked about it. Yeah. Like all these things that are my classes are all up there on free on YouTube. And um, the model I run is, is on Patreon. So, uh, you know, I don't want education and things like physical health to be behind a paywall, mm-hmm. but there's, as you know, that there's costs. Yeah. So if you can afford to chip in, that's great. If not, Hey, then uh, I'll just keep providing the videos as long as it's reasonably viable for me to do so. So, I will, it, we'll I get that link and we'll send it out in the newsletter when we put this out. 
That'd be a great way for people to help, you know, is like this, you know, I love it when people give away their best stuff for free and there's nothing. I give away all my stuff for free. So my best and my worst is all. (laughs) That's good. We're going to get you in your raw form. I love it. Yeah. I don't sell anything. I don't have anything behind a paywall or anything. Everything I do is free. Um, Except for the athletes, of course. Yeah. If you're an elite athlete, you're going to have to pay. Um, For sure. Well, Dr. Galpin, I really appreciate you taking time for us today. And this was fantastic. The quadrant model, man, I'm, I'm, I can't wait to get home and share this with my wife and, and kind of talk through this and take a real like uh, deep dive into and what I need to be prioritizing. So thank yeah, you. If you want to hear more about that, the, the body of knowledge is my podcast. It's seasonal. Uh-huh. We only put out a season every couple of years, uh, eight to 10 episodes every couple of years. And so I think it's in the last season. Okay. Um, this quadrant model or something if you guys want to hear a deeper dive um, from the master himself kenny who made it not me that's awesome well thank you so much for joining us today yeah my pleasure man nice to catch up take care if today's podcast enrich your life in any way please support the blueprint by following us and by leaving us a review and sharing this with somebody that you know could value from it also please consider checking out the Festive Kitchen's amazing product. It's freaking awesome. It makes for a fantastic gift for a colleague, friend, or loved one, or as a freaking fun snack when you want something sweet and savory to tantalize your taste buds. Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes and all of our other Hot Pie Media originals baked fresh daily at our home online at hotpiemedia.com, the Hot Pie Media YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts.